Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm excited. It's kind of actually bittersweet, right? Like this is the first Sunday, officially it's summer, and that's exciting, but in some ways it's super bittersweet because I know, and this this is also exciting, that this will be the last time I see many of you for a couple of months. That's right, some of you are just going to bolt during the summer, and I want you to know that is 100% okay. That's right, we want to give you absolute freedom to go and to have fun, to connect with your friends, to connect with your family, to connect with yourself and with God on the weekends. Because here in Canada, our summer is so precious to us, we want to invite you to take full advantage of it. Which doesn't mean forget us. So even if you're not going to be with us here on a Sunday morning, which is completely fine, we would really love to encourage you to continue to connect with us midweek. And so our regular rhythm up until this point was to cancel or to stop Sunday gatherings and to hold church during the week. And so we meet in backyards for barbecues. We meet around fire pits. We have all of these different ways of connecting that keep us (laughs) in a rhythm together. And so regardless of where you're going to be on the weekends, we would love, 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 love for you to join us in person during the week. You can find all of those events that we already have planned, and we're looking for more. Excuse me. You can find all of those on our website. And that goes for everybody listening online. If you're online and you haven't been with us in person yet, if you're taking time to kind of figure out who we are and what we're doing and why we do it, we would love for you to maybe stop by. And so join our mailing list if you're not already on it. You can do that on our website as well, right at the bottom of the main page. And you as well can look at the events, but we'll send out specific details about addresses and locations as those events come close. But as we shift into this different season or new season for us here at Reunion, it's often a time for me and for us together as a crew to reflect on the last few months. And so back in January, we started a series called No One Wakes Up Different. Do you remember that? It was about this idea that, yes, we have goals about 2023. Yes, we have a vision of who we want to be as a church. But the reality is you just don't go to bed and wake up and we're there. I wish that was the case. You could just snap your fingers and arrive where you wanted to be. But that's not true for, for us. It's not true for us in in regards to any areas of our life, like our finances, maybe our fitness level, whatever it might be, it's not true for those areas, and therefore it's certainly not true for our apprenticeship to Jesus. And so then we had this kind of, and again, this is super basic stuff because that's my gifting. (laughs) Super basic stuff. No, but I'm not going to blow your minds theologically. I want to move your feet practically. As a pastor for 16 years now, I have gone through the process of coming up with these eloquent, theologically deep sermons, and there's times for that, absolutely. But more than anything else, I've noticed, and we can see even in our culture of Christianity, that there's not enough of us actually applying the simple truths of Jesus' message. And so what does it look like for us to not just listen to the words of Jesus, but practice it? And I want to make that as as basic as I can. I want not water it down, but I want you to grasp the simple gospel. 
And so we came up with this little incredibly simple statement that change requires change. Wow, that's a big statement, right? That's a simple thing that all of us know that if I want to see change, guess what? It's going to require some change. Absolutely. And so I gave you the example, and I want to build on that this morning, six months removed, that Kristen and I made a choice that we were going to invest in our relationship more intentionally moving forward. And so that includes a couple of things. We said it would include a week away together, just the two of us. And so next weekend, Chris and I, we're, we're heading out of town and we're going to spend 10 days, just the two of us, not to simply do something, but to be with someone. We're going to just be intentional with each other. And we're excited about that. But that change requires change. It changes the way that we spend our money. In order to get out of here and to do something, just the two of us, we got to spend our money differently because we've already now allocated funds towards this trip. But it changes our schedules. It changes the things we can say yes to. It changes the things we have to say no to. For every yes, there's a corresponding no. And so we have to take that into consideration. It's changed our families' lives because guess what? They're going to be taking care of our kids for 10 days. And so we're super blessed to have family who's willing to step up and say, hey, we believe in the investment in your marriage and we want to come alongside you and, and help you out. That's an incredible gift to us but it requires change. Change requires change. It's easy. It's easy to say this is what I want. It's easy to say this is what I desire. But we even said two weeks ago as we began this series, we want to pray. That's a change that we're trying to make as a community. We want to be more intentional about our connection to God. It's not just about what we do, but it's about who we're with. And we want to pray more as a community. And so we invited you to pray three times a day. That's a big yes that requires some change. It's going to affect the way that we live our lives. And so how's that gone for you? We asked you, what do you think it's going to cost you? For every yes, there's a no. And so there's a cost to every yes. And so how's that gone for you? We're going to talk about that in our breakout groups in just a few minutes. Because change requires change and it's not easy at the beginning. And in fact, it maybe never is. But it's something we want. You, you can always do what you want to a degree, but it requires change. And so how do we build into our lives a rhythm of prayer that, that is possible for us? And so as we've been wrestling through it, I'm really interested to see what you've been learning over the last couple of weeks as we come back together after our breakout groups. But I'm really excited to hear what you've been wrestling through and some of the issues you've come face to face with, because I think we share some of those in common. Which brings us to kind of like the meat of today's conversation. It's just going to be a short one, I promise. But it does bring us to like the real bottom line of this, or the big example for today, is that yes, as much as Kristen and I want to invest in each other intentionally once a year, we've also always had this rhythm of being really intentional at least once a month. And so we have a date night. Date night's always been important to us, and it doesn't mean a big thing. We've talked about that, right? It doesn't have to be this big event but it has to be in an intentional time just for us. But, <laughs> this is a, more of a but for me than it is for Kristen, absolutely, but there's some certain places that we can and cannot go to for date night. Can you guess where I, I have to avoid date night? Do you know where, if I'm in charge of date night, do you know where we never go or we never anymore? <laughs> the sports bar. That's right, if, we're, if I'm going to be intentional with Kristen, if it's date night for her and I, kid-free, just us, no sports bar. Because I love sports, I love the games, and I love 
um, watching them. I like cheering and being invested in the presence of the sport. Like, it's a big deal to me. And so for us to go on a date night, it can't be at a sports bar because if I'm going to be intentional with Kristen, I have to free myself of the things that are going to pull my posture away from her. My posture. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you can tell that they're present with their body, but they're certainly not there with their mind? Absolutely you have. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it was your boss. Maybe it was me. Absolutely this has happened and it's happening. Because our, we can be present in a place, but if there's a distraction, something else that's vying for our attention, something else that's competing for our attention that we actually like, that we enjoy, guess what? It might just win. And so when I'm out on a date night with Kristen, I've got to avoid those things that I know my mind really enjoys. Like, I love Kristen. I love her so much, but I also really like a different kind of love, but I do love, I do love sports. And so being in a position where I can enjoy both things would be fantastic. And we do those things, don't worry. There's lots of time for me to go out with Chris and just the two of us or with the kids and we go to a sports bar because that's a part of the enjoyment of it. But to be intentionally present with Chris means I have to avoid and cut away those things that would distract me in my mind from not being present with her. It's a part of my mind's posture. I want to focus my attention on Kristen. But you ever notice how your mind's attention can actually lead to your physical posture's attention? Have you ever noticed that when you're talking to someone in their mind somewhere else, their shoulders and their body will actually begin to turn to those things? Or maybe they're not even turning towards you, which is a good indication they don't want to talk or they want to get out of the conversation, whatever it might be. But our bodies will often say what our minds are already thinking. And that's absolutely true at the sports bar too, right? Like I'm sitting down, I'm with Kristen, but if something's going on, my, my shoulders will turn away from her because my mind's already gone. My body is already saying, is beginning to show what my mind is already saying. So sports bars are off the table when it comes to date night. Which begs the question that I think we've experienced in the last couple of weeks when it comes to praying together as a community. Where's your distractions? Are you becoming more aware of them? Not just your kids or the stuff that happens in the moment, but the things that are consistently there that you are being pulled towards. Maybe it's your phone, maybe it's this other list of things, whatever it might be. We'll talk about it in a few minutes, but have you noticed those things? Have you noticed your body's posture during prayer? Are you approaching prayer like date night? And if so, is that a sports bar or whatever that might be for you? Jesus has this really interesting story that he tells us in Matthew chapter 6. It's not a story, sorry. It's, it's, it's great teaching. And it's funny because this happens before the Lord's Prayer. And so the last couple weeks, we, we answered the question, or we looked at how Jesus answers the question. Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus responds with the Lord's Prayer. But before he gives the Lord's Prayer, he gives us that section of Scripture we've already read this morning from Matthew chapter 6. It says, do not be like the hypocrites who go out in public and stand up and publicly confess and pray for the praise of people. Because guess what? If that's the reward they're seeking, that's only the reward they're going to get. Instead, Jesus says, instead, go home into a closet, shut the door, because what God sees you do in private, he's going to bless that. He's going to reward you for it. Whew, isn't that like just a weight off of our shoulders? Jesus telling us you don't have to stand up and pray. 
You don't have to go out in the public. That's not the point of prayer is to stand up and do a public, public confession of, of your love for God. <laughs> that's, that's really encouraging. It takes the heat off of our public displays of affection, but it also increases the heat of our intentional, intimate times with, with God. And so for many of us, when we read that first section, we're like, oh, thank goodness that has nothing to do with me. But I would argue it still has something to do very much with our culture because we live in a celebrity-driven, enamored culture that just wants to praise people for doing public displays. And so we have a celebrity pastor movement, actually, that's been going on for quite some time. It's not new. It's been happening forever. But more and more, we're seeing this. We're public displays of affection towards God are garnering the praise of people. That you're getting followers because of how you pray, how you preach, how you sing, how you do X, Y, and Z. And there's a level of that that's normal, right? Like we do applaud the gifts that people have. But Jesus is warning us. And I think it's really important in our culture of celebrity to take this seriously, that we should be more concerned with the authenticity and the integrity of a person's private life than just what they display on their public social life. Their public social life. Because in fact, I think, and we know this, that there's a a million more pastors, there's a million more worship leaders or church leaders doing the everyday slow work of God's work, and no one's noticing they don't have a big platform. They're just doing about their thing. They're loving 100 people, and they're loving people in God's direction, and it's going unnoticed. It's interesting because I had somebody call me this week, and they were concerned about our marriage, which kudos to this individual. Kudos to them for them to actually call me and say, hey, Wes, this is something that I saw. Actually, they said this is something that I didn't see, and so I'm concerned. I wanted to ask how your marriage was. Do you know what it was? They called and asked if our marriage was okay because Kristen didn't post on social media that I was a good dad. There was no Father's Day praise for me on social media this year. And I was kind of caught off guard a little bit by this because whatever happens between Kristen and I and the kids and I, it doesn't need to be displayed in public. It is certainly not an indication of what's happening at home. It's certainly not a a trigger that, oh my goodness, like you didn't say something about me there, you must not care about me here. And this is the cool thing about what Jesus is inviting us into. To get away from the public displays of affection. Because yeah, there's some value in that, don't get me wrong. But if it's what you're seeking, the likes or the the praise of other people just for the sake of the praise of other people, oh, you've had that happen in relationships where people do something and you know, man, they're not doing that for me, they're doing it for them their posture's off, and that affects you. And so Jesus is inviting us out of the public eye into the privacy and the intimacy of a a conversation with God by going into your house, closing the door in your closet, getting away, and spending intentional time with God. Because it's not about what you're doing, it's about who you're with. And that's intimate. And so that's, that's a really important bottom line. God wants to be alone with you. God wants to be alone with you. God wants to spend time, just the two of you, just listening and speaking to each other, sharing your hearts together without the distractions of public social media or public praise or ridicule, as some of us worry. But God wants you to be free to be you in the intimacy of your own home. 
Which does beg the question then, over the last couple of weeks, if you were to have a date night with God, if you were to view prayer as in fact a date night with God, where does that take place? Where has it been taking place? And are you noticing your mind's posture kind of wavering? Have you noticed your body's posture kind of wavering? And so what have you been learning about prayer, the distractions, the things that draw you in and the things that make it difficult? I do want to say this because I am a pastor and at this point in our lives, I am blessed to work full-time for the church. I work three-quarter time here locally for our community and within our community. And I work the other quarter of the time on behalf of our denomination on the leadership, national leadership team that oversees church planting and church development and mentoring new pastors who are specifically church planters. And so at this stage in my life, I'm really blessed to be able to pause at any moment of my day and pray because it's part of my job. But that's not always been the case. You see, sometimes people will look at me and say, Wes, you just don't understand. And I'm not to say I don't. I do. I don't fully understand. But I've not always been in this position doing this role, these roles. When Krista and I got married, it was just the two of us for five years. We had a dog, of course, but just the two of us. And so again, I was working three-quarter time for the church at this point, 27 hours a week, not even three-quarter time. And I was doing some other stuff. And I had more time then to pause and pray. It was a part of my freedom as a pastor to do that. But then guess what? We had Lincoln. And my commitments changed and my time with God changed. That intentional time that I could just take whenever I wanted, guess what? It, it changed. I became a lead pastor in Sault Ste. Marie. So I'm working full time with a, a new baby and my wife and Kristen's off on, on maternity leave. And so that gave us a lot of freedom. It gave me a lot of freedom to be a little bit more intentional with God in a different way. Or I, I had the freedom to just kind of fit it in wherever, wherever it could. And there was a lot of time to do that. But many of you don't know this part. When Lincoln turned one, just after he turned one, Kristen and Lincoln moved eight hours away so that she could work and accumulate enough hours to get another maternity leave because she was pregnant again. And so Lincoln and Kristen are gone, and now I'm at home. I'm a full-time pastor by myself, and guess what? I have a lot more freedom to watch sports. (laughs) But I have a lot more freedom to just be with God whenever I wanted to, whenever I could, distraction-free, a little less distraction because I had a little less commitment. But then guess what? Kristen and Lincoln move home eight months later, and a few months later, guess what? Uh, Baby number two, little Finley, arrives. And my time changed. I'm still a full-time pastor, but now I got a a, a two-year-old and a brand-new baby, and I got a wife I haven't really been able to spend a lot of time with, and We're getting back into our rhythm together as a family, a growing family, and the church is expanding and doing its thing, and so we're excited there, and so guess what? My commitments are increasing, and my my freedom and the distractions, uh, freedom is uh, reducing, (laughs) and distractions are increasing. But many of you don't know this, that eight months later, or a year, when Finley turns one, or she's, yeah, she's one and Lincoln's three, guess what? Kristen moves eight hours away because baby number three is on the way and this time she doesn't take Lincoln with her and she doesn't take Finley with her I keep them and so for eight months I'm a single dad working a full-time job with a one-year-old and a three-year-old and guess what 
My commitments change. My life is drastically changed. And I see Kristen only every other weekend. And so God becomes not just an addition to my life. I have to figure out what does it look like for me to still connect with God in an intentional way that's distraction-free. And then we move down here. I'm working shift work and uh, I'm working at the plant. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to plant a church for the very first time. And there's a lot of stuff going on, right? And so for every season of my life, I'm not saying it's, it's easy or it's super difficult. And I'm not, I'm not saying, oh my goodness, Wes, look at you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for each of us, there's no cookie cutter answer. And you can't just simply look at somebody's life and say, oh, I wish I had it like them because you don't know what it's like to be them. You don't know the seasons of their lives. You don't know what their public displays are actually meaning at home. And so, yes, my life is not like yours, but I do have a story, and I'm still in a season. And so together, and this is the beauty, I think, of our community, is that we're learning this stuff together. I have a story that I might be able to help you with some of the stuff that I did and I'm doing, and so do you. I can learn from you, and I'm going to learn, and that's why I'm excited to hear about how are you wrestling through these intentional times with prayer, with God? What are you noticing in regards to your distractions, your mind's posture, your body's posture? Which brings us just quickly to this last point of your body's posture. I've said this already, that your body begins to show what your mind is already saying. And so here at Reunion, I've created a bit of a rhythm in regards to how you and I pray together because it's something that I really like. And so I will often, you'll notice me praying or singing, but I've invited you even this morning to begin with your body. Get your body to start saying what you want your spirit to say. And so we often begin praying together with our hands open. This is just one example. You can pray with your hands clasped. You can pray with your eyes open, your eyes closed. You can pray laying on your face. You can pray dancing, singing. There's so many ways in which your body can be engaged in prayer. But one example is how we pray with our hands open. Because I want us to be able to facilitate a spirit of openness to God's, God's will in our community. That God, I'm here. My hands are open as an indication. Guess what? My, my spirit's ready to receive from you. My spirit's ready to receive anything that you want to give. Uh, but I'm also here with my hands open, willing to allow the spirit to take anything that needs to be taken. And so I'm open to receive and I'm open to give. I'm open to let go. I'm open to take. I'm open, God. And so I'll pray at home and here, and you'll see this often with me. My hands are open because I want my heart, my spirit to be open. What does your body look like when you're praying? I'm not saying, and we'll get to this this summer, that you can pray doing anything. You're walking like I do. You can do it while you're, um, while you're doing the dishes or unloading the dishwasher. Whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. But there are important intentional times, I think, with God, as there are with our spouses or intentional relationships with people you care about, where it's really important just to be face-to-face, -face, body, posture, and mind towards each other. And so that's our growth opportunity this week. But before we get to that, I want to just give you the freedom to get into some groups and discuss. What is God saying to you and how are you going to respond? Is prayer a date night? And if it is, has it taken place at the proverbial sports bar of your distracted life? And what might God be inviting you to step into this week with God as you continue these three prayers throughout the day.
maybe one of them you should just be intentionally and say, okay, for the next, for the next whatever, here I am, God. It's just you and me in my closet, whatever that might look like. It's just us, and we're going to be together. What is God saying to you this morning, and how are you going to respond? Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com and we're always here to walk with you.